You know what time it is. Time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a podcast exploring church revitalization, church planting, and other Southern Baptist goodies for your ear holes. I'm Matt Hensley, the pastor of May Hill Baptist, and I'm actually kind of freezing up here in the mountains. What about you, Kyle? Uh, well, I'm Kyle Bierman, the pastor of First Baptist Church, Alamogordo, and and I tell you what, it felt like fall this morning. For, for maybe the first time, I walked out on the back porch in shorts and a t-shirt, and it was it was not cool, but but it was it's on the verge. So you can tell that fall's coming. It does. Satan, it's not a million degrees finally. <laughs> yeah, Satan must must be like taking the day off. I guess. Yeah, for you. I guess so. Like he's just <laughs> he's on vacation. Well. Yeah. We're both pastoring fantastic churches in southern New Mexico and bringing this podcast to you so that you know what not to do as you learn from our mistakes. And this podcast is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. So you could say, as we often do, that we're the official podcast of the Word of God. We love the CSB because of its blend of readability and accuracy and encourage you to check out the Bible that C.H. Spurden... C. <laughs> Yeah, do that again there. there. Let's try that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. That's just going to go and you're going <laughs> to. It's just going to roll. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon used, and uh, we love its blend of readability <laughs> and accuracy uh, and encourage you to check it out at csbible.com after the show. Well, Kyle, and, what are we talking about uh, today? Leave me well, alone. What are we talking well, about today? Other than, other than your heresy, we're talking about Susanna Spurgeon. Who, to be frank, and let's be honest, I don't think you or I really know much about her at all, but we are thrilled today to welcome Ray Rhodes to the show. And Ray recently wrote Susie, The Life and Legacy of Susanna Spurgeon. Uh, now, Ray, before we talk about uh, Susie Spurgeon, let's talk about you. So tell us about your family, uh, yourself, what you do other than researching the life of Charles Spurgeon's wife. Well, uh, hello, Matt and Kyle. Good to be with you today on not another Baptist podcast, <laughs> and I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, yeah, uh, so my name is Ray Rhodes. I'm a pastor, pastor of Grace Community Church here in Dawsonville, Georgia. It's a Southern Baptist congregation we planted about 14 or 15 years ago now, and it still feels like a church plan in many ways. I'm married to Lori for 31 years, and we have six daughters, and uh, two of my daughters are married. Uh, my oldest one with four children lives down the street, and my number three daughter was married over the weekend and uh, married a Marine corporal, and uh, they start their lives together. They Well, I guess they've started them now. <laughs> and, of course, some of you met, you've probably met Abigail, right? You met Abigail through the uh, Spurgeon Facebook, Susanna Spurgeon Facebook yes. page. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So she's like really the uh, brains behind the uh, Susanna Spurgeon biography. She's almost seven years old. So she's running, basically running the Susanna Spurgeon empire now that's developing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, uh, and I do uh, Bible conferences, marriage retreats, uh, various itinerant speaking as well. And I've been writing uh, for a while. And you can ask me anything else about what I do. I, you know, the folks are really probably don't care, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think it's an understatement of the century 
to say that all three of us married way out of our league and we wouldn't yes. be able to do what we do without the help of our wives, perhaps them keeping us out of trouble. I think especially Michelle and Rebecca, that's probably their primary focus is just keeping us out of trouble. But I suspect the same might be able to be said for the Prince of Preachers himself, Charles Spurgeon, that I was actually able to say this time. And you, you believe that Charles and Susanna had an uncommon bond, especially given the scope, the publicity of their ministry, both with some of their health issues, the difficulties that they faced in life. What were some of the key aspects of their relationship that really bound them together so tightly through so many things that they faced? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, a couple of things come to mind. One is early in their relationship, uh, Susie came to grips with uh, exactly who it was she had married. Uh, she didn't, she said if she had known uh, really what sort of a great man he was, she would have been much more intimidated even going into the, into the wedding. And it, it sort of uh, hit her, uh, you know, right between the eyes during their engagement. You know, the, the church of Spurgeon's church, New, New Park Street Chapel is growing. Uh, later that becomes the Metropolitan Tabernacle. So we'll use those. Uh, this is the early church. And uh, Spurgeon's fame is growing uh, during their engagement. Uh, Spurgeon officially becomes the pastor at Metropolitan Tabernacle 18, uh, April of 1854. And by 1855, uh, things are just going crazy. Uh, his fame is skyrocketing. Well, one evening, the uh, Charles and Susie were on the way to a preaching engagement at a place called The Horns, which was sort of a, an all-purpose facility. And they held various events there, including preaching. And the crowds were large. Uh, Charles helped Susie out of the carriage. They walked inside, and he totally forgot about her. And, uh, <laughs> he just forgot her. Uh, and he was so focused on the task at hand, preaching. And so uh, Susie was upset about that. In fact, she ran home. Uh, she only lived about a mile from the facility at that time. And she ran home to her mother crying. And her mother took her aside and helped her to understand exactly uh, what it was like to be in the ministry, uh, though her mother was not, her, her husband, her father was not in the ministry, but she helped her to get some perspective of the kind of man Spurgeon was. And at the end of the sermon, uh, as Spurgeon was leaving, he was looking for Susie, calling out for her, couldn't find her until he was upset. And so he, he got to Susie's home as fast as uh, he could and went in the door crying out, Susie, Susie. And the uh, mother brought, Susanna's mother, Susanna brought her down and uh, worked things out between those two. And Susie soon after said, I made it uh, the, the uh, intent of my life never to be a hindrance to him in his life and in his ministry. And so she, she settled it pretty early on, even though it was very hard, she was lonely uh, for him because he traveled quite a bit early on. And then later he's traveling for preaching and he was sick to get away. But uh, yeah, so she settled it. Uh, they prayed together. Uh, Spurgeon led family worship wherever they were. And she describes that wherever they were, if they were on uh, vacation, if they were at home, whenever they were together, they had family worship together. And then uh, maybe just one other thing. And uh, at this point is they communicated. They wrote beautiful letters to each other. And Spurgeon wrote her every day that he was away. 
like you guys probably do with your wives when you're away, yeah. you're, you're taking yeah. a dip pen and you're writing them a letter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Felt, yeah. felt pen, everything. And, and, you know, they're so beautiful and poetic <laughs> and, you know, like roses are red, poems are hard, bacon is good. How about, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> How about lard? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, well, so, so, Ray, along those lines, it would probably be fair to say that, that Charles Spurgeon would not have been who we now know as Charles Spurgeon without Susanna. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, we, we see that she was his joy, his encourager, his partner in, in a lot of ways. Um, but she also had her own ministerial impact and, and her own faith. So, so how should we consider her life and ministry and legacy, uh, maybe first of all, in light of, of Charles's ministry, but then also independent of him? Yeah, that's good. That's one of the things we attempted to do. Uh, Susie never wanted to be out of his shadow. Uh, she was content to be beneath uh, Spurgeon's rather large shadow. And, uh, and then she spent, after he died, she spent her remaining days promoting his legacy as well. So even her work was designed to keep her husband's uh, ministry and name alive. So I think you're right. I don't know, uh, you know, if, if he had not married Susie, it's, it's hard to know. Because I argue in the book that Spurgeon not only needed a wife, he needed a very specific wife, he needed Susie. And without Susie, he would not be the Spurgeon that we know today. I'm convinced of that. In fact, um, early in his ministry, and that may come up a little bit later, early in his ministry, he faced a tragedy of such significance that he almost quit the ministry and he almost died as a result of it. And he's just, uh, this is 1856 in October, and he's only been in London a couple of years. So he's almost out of the ministry uh, right off the bat. They've got uh, new, uh, two babies at home. And Susie's composure and faith during that time sustained him. One biographer argued, uh, or at least made the point, that Spurgeon could have lost his mind uh, after that and through some of the other depressions that he faced if, if he had not had such a wife as Susie. Uh, another biographer talks about how she kind of uh, smoothed out some of his uncouth uh, ways. And so like, like you guys, hopefully, uh, that's why I wish your wives were here on this broadcast. Yeah, Re Rebecca's still working on that with Matt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all my own good ways been taken care of. All mine are, all mine are gone. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. But, but yeah, she did. Uh, Spurgeon, uh, while before they were even, yeah, while they were engaged, Spurgeon was encouraging her to be active in work and service. And he did that throughout. And so about 10 years or so into marriage, Susanna's mostly home bound due to serious affliction and it, it is from home in 1875 that she starts the pastor's book fund uh, the uh, mrs spurgeon's book fund and ultimately gives away 200,000 books wow she dies in 1903 and she does that uh, as an invalid uh, and so we've got that going on and then uh spurgeon dies in 18 so she writes so uh, writes one book in eight, uh, 1885 called 10 Years of My Life in the Service of the Book Fund. And uh, so Spurgeon's alive during that time. That book is published. And then her second book is 10, uh, 10 more years or 10 years after. That's it, 10 years after. And so that's written in 1895. And so it covers part of her time with Spurgeon, but it also covers the time of his death. And then she writes uh, 
three other standalone books after his death, as well as being a significant contributor and editor of the massive four volume autobiography of Charles Spurgeon. Wow. Uh, and she's writing forward. She's editing the sword and trowel after he dies. And she plants a Baptist church again. Sometimes she was so sick. She could not lift her hand or her head. The pain was so severe. And, uh, and yet she, she was a prolific author. She gave away books. She supported pastors uh, with clothes and their families, money, uh, started a church. You know, the, the typical thing that most afflicted, sick, uh, elderly uh, widow ladies do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> she, she joins a long list of those that have done yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, I was guys, actually, what, did, what did you guys do this morning? <laughs> I drink about six cups of coffee. That's about yeah. the only productive yeah. thing I did today. I, I, I spent an hour shaping young minds in an apologetics <laughs> class. So, so I feel like I've got a leg up this morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually, I, I've been uh, about a month ago, I was given the, the first volume of, of his autobiography. I haven't read it yet, but it's, that's on my to-do list. So I did not know, however, that she edited that. That's, that's fantastic. And was a well, there's contributor. She also co she co-edited it with his secretary, uh, Joseph Harold, and uh, but wow. she contributed a lot of material herself to that, which was a very painful process for her. She was recounting their love and their right. marriage and those sorts of things. Now I don't know which uh, edition you have. Uh, the original was published in four volumes by Passmore and Alabaster, and it is. People ask me all the time, "What do I need to get?" and I would say, "Get the autobiography of Spurgeon." So originally, Passmore and Alabaster in four volumes. That is reproduced in its entirety by Pilgrim Publications, the guys who did 60, the 63 volume set. You can get a, a, an abridgment of that. The Banner of Truth two volume is an abridgment. It's very good. And that's significant. That's sufficient for most people, unless you're a nut and a nerd like me who needs every detail of, uh, <laughs> that we can find of Spurgeon's life. Uh, so that's uh, I've got the, the four volumes contained in two large volumes by Pilgrim. But uh, it's all good. That's where you need to start for both of those guys to learn both about both of them. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, well, Ray, if, if, uh, if you know Matt as well as I know him, uh, th there are some words that you could use to describe him and those might be unique and challenging, uh, but not, maybe not always in a good way. So, uh, and, and, but I think that's true of a lot of pastors, right? I mean, we, we live unique lives, um, and, and in a lot of ways, you face unique challenges, not just in ministry, but in marriage as well. Uh, so what was it, and you've touched on this a little bit, but, but elaborate a little bit more. What was it that made Susie such a good partner for a uniquely gifted, but also maybe challenging man uh, like Charles Spurgeon? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Susie, it's an, it's an amazing thing to me that uh, she was not converted until... Uh, Either, probably late 1852. And so she's born in 1832. So 20 years old is when she sort of dates her conversion. Uh, so she's uh, unmarried. She's not met Spurgeon at that time. Uh, she uh, uh, is converted under the preaching uh, of Romans chapter 10. And yet uh, she says she that's the dawning of the true light of her soul. But she immediately uh, says that she falls into a backslidden uh, kind of situation and she keeps her profession to herself. She doubts she's cold spiritually. Um, 
And so, you know, it's, it's questionable whether that was actually a true conversion or not. Maybe, you know, I think it was, but so for a, a good year, over a year, she struggled in that condition. And then she, uh, and we'll talk about how she met Spurgeon. I think you're going to ask me about that a little later, but she uh, met, meets Spurgeon. And then a few months after he learns of her spiritual struggles and gives her a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress uh, which used to be after it won't be anymore after Susie comes out. It used to be one of the, the top selling Christian book, but I'm, I'm going to displace Bunyan. And uh, and Susie begins to grow under Spurgeon's leadership. And her growth is significant that within a few months later, she shares her testimony and he is stunned at the depth of her understanding of the scripture and the gospel. Uh, and it is, I mean, you can read in the, in the writing, you can see just how, taken aback Spurgeon is. He said, I knew you were a true child of God. I didn't know in essence that it was this deep. Uh, and so, so from her conversion in 18, late 1852 till uh, April of 1854, she's struggling. And then within a few months, really, she is, she is taken off. And so the only thing I can contribute to that is that she was raised in a home and in a culture where Bible reading and prayer was a, was sort of a staple, staple items in, in every home, whether it was on the veneer or in the heart of, of things. She And so when the Lord converted her, and especially when, uh, you know, she began uh, growing a bit through Pilgrim's Progress and Spurgeon's uh, leadership, it's like the Holy Spirit took the kindling of those years of Bible reading and prayer and just lit it. And she took off a, uh, uh, she took off in growth. So she so she's a growing spiritually. She's very mature early in the marriage. Uh, they suffer together early in the marriage. And so she prays for her husband. She's patient with him. And later she begins reading to him. Uh, you know, he would come home depressed after Sunday. Every preacher knows what it's like on Sunday to preach and empty yourself. You know, you, you write, you read yourself full and study the word and you get full and you empty it all out and you go home and you're empty again. Uh, with lots of things on your mind. And Spurgeon did that as well. And so she would read to him. Uh, she would read poetry. The, uh, George Herbert was his favorite. And when he felt that he had been not as faithful as he ought to have been in preaching, she would read Richard Baxter to him, which uh, they both would weep together. And she wept. Uh, he wept because of his conscience was so sensitive. She wept because she loved him. And that's what the... Uh, that's what the account says, simply because she loved him. So she was sold out to, to Spurgeon as her husband, sold out as to Spurgeon as a minister of the gospel. She was faithful to pray for him. She did things that encouraged him, such as reading to him. And in on one situation when Spurgeon, uh, a subscriber to Spurgeon's ministry, donated, you know, was a regular donor and then disagreed with Spurgeon, over his stand in the downgrade controversy, withdrew their support. That person told Susie about, uh, that person sent Spurgeon a letter. Susie read the letter first and then wrote her husband and said, I read the letter and I laughed out loud uh, <laughs> because I know who supplies all of our needs. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of wife that he had. And she didn't allow her own affliction uh, to hinder uh, Spurgeon's ministry. And we can talk about how Spurgeon dealt with that later, if you want to, how, how he ministered to her. So I've been asked the question, for example, what he, he doesn't seem like such a good husband. He's got a sick wife at home. He's gone a lot. 
And what about all that? So, <laughs> but anyway, that's what, that's some of the things that make Susie the, the right wife for him. Yeah. And, and really along those lines, as we wrap up, obviously a book focused on Susie is going to show us how Susie stands out uh, in her own ministry. You've shared about the book club and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, but as you really think about that sort of balance of the home, uh, that's probably a very uh, attention point for all of us. Do we spend too much time at home at the uh, sake of our churches, or do we spend too much time at the church at the sake of our home? And, you know, finding that right balance for everybody. We recently had a podcast on parenting and pastoring where, you know, when you step into the pulpit, you don't stop being dad. Uh, you know, it's, and sometimes there's some comical things that happen while you're doing that that require you to be dad in that moment. So we talked about that. But as we begin to wrap up this first part of our interview and thinking about the many pastors and the pastor wives that are listening to our show, uh, before they all go out, as we know, to buy this book and begin reading it every year, just like Spurgeon with uh, Pilgrim's Progress and all of that, in what ways did Susanna help Charles in ministry and in life more specifically? You've talked about kind of on the ministry, he kind of, maybe she tilted his head the right direction. And, and as you just shared, uh, maybe how she laughed out loud at, at what was being sent to him. How, how did they work together as a couple to make life ministry and, and him better? Yeah. Uh, well, early in her ministry, she uh, was very active in church. She was uh, physically able to. And uh, she worked with him in ministry at the church by uh, really being giving the oversight to ba uh, female baptismal candidates. So she ministered to them, counseled them, and they all, and they left testimony behind of, uh, of what that meant to them. So uh, that's how she sort of specifically helped him in the church. Uh, she managed the oversight of a very busy home. Uh, the Spurgeon home was not just Charles and Susie. And then when their children were born in, in 1856, it, be it became an increasing place of industry, uh, not only ministry, but they had a, you know, they had milk cows and they had other, <laughs> they had a milk business, an egg business uh, kind of thing going on. Uh, they uh, had flowers that they grew later that uh, were gathered to get the poor people. Uh, and they had, had servants. Uh, by the time Spurgeon died, they had at least nine servants, probably full-time servants. Now, that's not slaves. That's servants, meaning household employees. Hmm. Uh, sort of, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably have several folks that you employ to help you in your home or with your ministry. And various yeah, several. Yeah, they're called children. That's <laughs> 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 Unpaid labor. That's what, that's what they... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they were dressmakers because we had, you know, the staff was cared for. This, these folks lived here and uh, lived, you know, for the most part would live there. Uh, early in their marriage, she traveled with him as well. And so they, they loved being together. They walked together on the property. Uh, they, as I've mentioned, they read together, read out loud together, prayed together. She helped him with his study. He'd bring her in on a Saturday night and say, you know, get me this commentary, read, read something to me from, uh, you know, Thomas Brooks or one of the Puritans, uh, you know, most of his library was either by the Puritans or about the Puritans. So he was, he was a Puritan through and through. Uh, and she even helped him to author a book that she, her name is not credited to, but I know your time may be uh, running out now, but we can save some of that till, till later. 
All right, Ray. So as we as we wrap up part one, and as we said, you'll you'll join us again next week as we wrap up as well. Um, but so Charles says that you should absolutely absolutely go out and buy the book. Uh, my, my bobblehead says yes, you should go out and buy it. So uh, if they're not already sold, uh, sell our listeners on why they need to go out and buy Susie. Yes. Well, Susanna Spurgeon, uh, Susie, uh, as she was also called, is uh, was the wife of arguably the most one of the most famous preachers in all of church history after me yeah that's right after <laughs> and, and i do want to ask you maybe next time uh, both of you guys how you guys have dealt with uh, like spurgeon how you dealt with the fame of being podcast <laughs> and now now uh, matt is a big wig at lifeway uh, yeah that's right. Prolific that's right author everyone knows that you guys are movers and shakers in the southern Baptist convention <laughs> Uh, and that both of you are being considered for the presidency at Southwestern as well as <laughs> yeah. at Lifeway. Uh, so, I mean, you guys probably understand better than I do, and overwhelming. Charles may have dealt with some of those things. But, but back to while we're here, sell books to make millions. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Susie Spurgeon, uh, wife of this great man who authored Spurgeon, authored 135 books, uh, 63 volumes of sermons, and that's not all of them edited a uh, monthly magazine and did numerous book reviews uh, every month, read six substantive volumes a week. Uh, he uh, wrote hundreds of letters a week uh, and, and he, uh, he did all that and died at 50 and died at 57. And I was stunned when I was doing doctoral work. I did, uh, did it on the, my thesis on their spirituality of Charles and Susanna Spurgeon. I was stunned that no one had ever done a book on their marriage and no one had ever done a book on Susanna, uh, you know, full biography. In 1903, there appeared a little biography by Charles Ray on uh, the life of Susanna Spurgeon. Very good. And it's helpful. Everybody should have that as a companion, but it's a small, short book. So this is a Susie, the life and legacy of Susanna Spurgeon is the first ever full biography of the wife of the Prince of Preachers. And as you mentioned earlier, it's not just her life in conjunction with Spurgeon, it's her life as a faithful, godly woman and how even in severe affliction, we're not talking about head colds, we're talking about severe affliction that she served God faithfully. And uh, we learn how she dealt with loneliness, how she dealt with suffering, how she dealt with uh, brokenness, uh, as well as the joys and sorrows of life, the death of grandchildren, uh, two of her grandchildren, at least, and uh, other significant events. So she is a model for godly godliness, both for men and women. By the way, it's not even the women by most of the books in America. Uh, it seems from the stats I see, it's not a book just for women. It's a book for pastors, pastors, wives, uh, Christian men and women, and even younger people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I can promise you if I somehow, uh, meaning that the rapture happens and I'm the only one left behind and I end up as president of Lifeway, <laughs> we're going to have a Susie bobblehead, Susie uh, doll, Susie yes. plush toy, uh, Susie, you know, the little Lottie Moon cutout thing, like the life-size Lottie Moon that's like two feet tall? Like we're, we're going to have that, but for Susie, that's coming to uh, a store near you. But as much as I don't want to, it's time for us to hop off of this train. But we'll be back with Ray next week for the conclusion of our interview with him about Susie. 
The Life and Legacy of Susanna Spurgeon. We're grateful that you took the time to listen in today. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard, give us a five-star review so that we can keep these things coming. You can also visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast, or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. We'll leave the links to where you can find your copy of Susie in the show notes. But at this time, send us out, KB. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. <laughs>